G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. With all the talk of revivals, and many of us here in Australia are praying for revival, today we have the privilege of talking with someone that the legendary T.L. Osborne once described as the greatest missionary he had ever met. In the 1970s, revival broke out in Papua New Guinea, and our guest today experienced it firsthand and saw a move of God give birth to over 500 churches. This is the incredible story of Australian missionaries Graham and Irene Baker. Graham is joining us now. Welcome. Good to be here. So I'm going to fast forward your story. Uh, You spent several years up in the mountain areas of Papua New Guinea as missionaries. You built a medical clinic, which is now a hospital, which has treated in excess of 1 million patients. You did a great work there. But God called you down to the coastal town of Medang. Can you tell me how the revival started? Well, it started really in in the lounge room of our house. We just... um I was playing the piano and I was singing and people started walking off the road and come and said, can we come in? Can we come in to the fellowship? It was called fellowship in those days. We said yes. And when it got up to 65 people, uh, we thought, hmm, too many for a lounge room. We better go under the house, which was up on, still up on pipes. So we met under there and people just started coming off the road and, um, um, we started reaching into the colleges, the teachers' college, the medical college, the technical college, and the nautical college, and uh, students began to respond to um, to a, a simple message of the gospel, and uh, that's where it all started under the house. And then um, um, there were some remarkable healings. A young guy from the tech college, he come out for prayer for healing, and um, said he couldn't hear out of, an ear, out of his ear, and we said, oh, we'll pray for that. You know, we prayed for him, and uh, he could hear a watch tick, and his sister was a nurse, a nursing sister from the hospital, and she was sitting on the ground there, and she said, no, that's impossible. He can't hear. And we said, come out and test him. She come out and test his ear and started weeping, and she said, um, he doesn't have an eardrum. And so God created an eardrum instantly. And, uh, amazing, he went amazing. Back to, went back to the highlands and pioneered oh, six or seven churches in one year. That's how it all started. And, uh, Incredible. Uh, another, another guy from Tech College came up and uh, he, they were thinking about amputating his leg because his, his knee was uh, not so messed up. And... Um, and we picked him up in a pickup truck and brought him up to the this under the house church thing. And uh, Irene preached a simple sermon on must be on healing or something. And he come forward and and uh, we said, "What do you want?" He said, oh, "I want to give my life to Jesus and um, pray for my leg." And um, prayed for his leg. It was in a plaster cast, and uh, he started jumping on this leg, jumping around on the leg. Um, his friends from the college took him back to the hospital and went into the outpatients and got a pair of scissors and cut the cast off, and he was completely healed instantly. Yeah, 
Amazing. So the, so the revival started with miracles and healings. But, Pastor Graham, I want you to tell a story also. You, you decided to have a church camp on an island off the coast. Can you tell me yeah, what happened yeah. and how many people went on the camp? And tell us what happened on that camp. Well, we had our first camp on a little island, and there was only 40 people allowed because there was only one toilet, one bush toilet, as they say, one little island about oh, about two-thirds the size of a football field. It was called MTC Island, and then Teachers College Island. So, And there was a little tin shed there about the size of a carport, and um, we started at this camp there on an Easter weekend, and... Uh, on the Saturday night, Irene was preaching on the gifts of the Spirit, uh, which was interesting because uh, these people weren't even filled with the Spirit, and she was talking about the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden, we had a downpour of rain, a uh, storm, and it, it it just, on the tin roof, it just, you couldn't hear anything. There was no PA system or anything. Irene just sang out to everyone to stand up, lift your hands and be filled with the Spirit. And um, people, everyone in that, that little tin shed were filled with the Spirit. And so that night, we eventually got everyone into their tent and into their bush huts. And uh, during the night, someone come and tapped Irene on the shoulder and she turned over and looked up and there was an angel. And she said to the angel, what do you want? And he didn't say anything. He just kept on walking. But he went into the, to another little bush thing and the, the girls from the teachers college all started crying and weeping because the angel walked through there and then there was a tarpaulin outside where all the boys were and the angel walked through there and uh, so did all so the students morning, Pastor Graham did all the students see that angel or they just sensed the presence of an angel yeah yeah they all saw them saw amazing amazing and, um, and so the next morning we just commanded them all to all to be baptized in water and uh uh, for the first time in our life, everyone that was baptized was slain in the spirit, so to speak. And we had to drag them out of the water and lay them on the, the little sandy beach there. And they were all speaking in tongues and, and, and lost in the spirit. We'd never seen that before in all our previous seven years in New Guinea. Amazing. And from that, from that moment on, it was just supernatural. And one of those guys was a guy called Francis. So when you got back to the mainland from that church camp, what did the mainlanders say to you? Because people saw something on the island when you were on the island, didn't they? What did they see? Oh, yeah. Well, there was a bunch of church, another church camp up on a, a hill behind the town of Madang, and they were sitting on the hill um, just one side of this Saturday night, and we had a horrendous storm. It was a terrible storm. The next day, well, these teachers' college students went back to the college, and they said to the ones who were on the island, what were you doing on Saturday night? You're having a bonfire. And I said, no, no, it was pouring rain. They said, oh, no, we saw a big light in the middle of the island. And there was these smaller lights all around the island. They said, no, 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 it poured rain. Then they said, no, we had an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. All these students said, well, how can we experience this? And they said, come along Friday night to the fellowship. So we had 85. Uh, show up for this Friday night fellowship meeting and we got to the chorus of Call Under Me and I'll Answer Thee and the Holy Spirit fell on all these students and they just fell over on the floor and repenting and calling on the name of the Lord and speaking other languages and a Lutheran missionary friend, she drove in the driveway, in the driveway and she said, what's going on? And I said, well, it's the Holy Spirit and uh, she'd never seen 
like it before either. And uh, it was amazing. That was the beginning of a great move of God for probably, uh, probably 15 years, at least 15 years or 20 years. Yeah. Amazing. And so the mainlanders were seeing fire on the island and you guys are in torrential rain, but obviously it was the yeah. fire of the Holy Spirit. It was a sign yeah. and that was the beginning. Yeah. And and so obviously from there, a lot of young men and women met Jesus and, and felt a call to ministry. So you were talking about Francis a minute ago and Francis is the one who ended up in the court case. So tell us what happened when Francis went up to Bogia, which is what, three or four hours drive north of Medang. Tell us about that weekend away for, for Francis. What, what- well, just before that, he was in the tech college. He was a tech student, 18 years of age, and he heard weeping over in a squatter settlement. And he thought, I'd better go and have a look. And he went over there, and there was a dead girl, about a 14-year-old girl, laying on the mat, and she died in the hospital. And they were all, of the, all the squatter settlement were weeping. And, and he told them to stop weeping. And he said, what's her name? And they said, Matula. And he just stood there and said, Matula, in the name of Jesus, rise. And she sat up and... Um, um, so the whole squatter settlement become believers. And after a little while after that, he said he felt the Holy Spirit tell him to go to a town called Bogia. It's about 100 miles up the, up the coast. And I said, how are you going to get there? He said, oh, I'll, I'll find a way. I said, there's no bridges. And he said, I said, what happens if you uh, get killed up there and um, um, murdered or something? He said, oh, he said, I'd get to heaven before you. <laughs> and I said, okay. So away he went, and uh, he went straight into the hospital, 85, 90-bed hospital, at the rural government hospital in Bogia. And he went to the doctor, uh, a proper doctor, and he said, have you got any dead people in the morgue? And the doctor said, well, there's two babies here. They died of malaria a day or two ago. They just, or yesterday, they just waiting for them to take them back to the village. He said, can you bring him out and put him on the lawn? And uh, he said, okay. He brought him out on the lawn. Francis raised both of them to life. And, um, so hang, hang on a second. How many patients were in that hospital that he prayed for and were healed instantly? Uh, there was about 80 or 85, but they all got healed after they saw that and all went home. Yeah, so the, the hospital gets emptied and Francis comes yeah. back to Medang and, and you say to him, <laughs> tell us what happened when you met him, when he came back. What, happened? what was the conversation like? I said, how was your trip? He said, yeah, I had a good time. You know, I said, well, you know, did you have you know, some results? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was good. And that was it sort of thing. Yeah. And then about three or four weeks later, I get a call from the health department and the government saying, would I show up at a council meeting to answer charges? I said, what sort of charges? You know, we were missionaries. We don't want to go before council and police. And then he said, oh, he said, then we have a, a complaint that one of your workers were performing medicine without a license. And I said, and I said to him, I said, well, who was that? He said, oh, Francis up in Bogia, so I know Francis. And I said to Francis, I called him in, I said, is that true? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. He said, I went across to the jail too, and all the prisoners got saved, but of course they couldn't leave the prison, but the, the warders got born again, and the, the prisoners, and the warders eventually left their jobs and um, become pastors. Yeah. Amazing. But, um, amazing. Amazing. So you did go to the court case? Did you, did you have to go and represent yourself at the court case? Yeah, yeah. I took a couple of pastors along. I told them that they only did what the Bible says, to pray for the sick and to heal the sick and raise the dead. And the, the chairman or uh, the, the chief minister, he got up and he said, how dare we bring this pastor to court for 
something God has done. And uh, he dismissed the whole thing and he said, God bless you, Pastor, and away we went. Back to doing C- what we Case dismissed. Doing. Yeah, case dismissed, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, never ever brought it again. Graham, yeah. uh, thank you so much for sharing that. We're going to have to do uh, another interview, maybe even two more, because there's so much in this story. Oh, yeah. It's the most yeah. amazing story. Two Australian missionaries, Graham and Irene Baker, went up to Papua New Guinea. Graham was a successful builder, left his building uh, company. Uh, Irene was a trained nurse, and they went up there not really knowing what was going to happen and what they're going to do. And then suddenly God puts them in the town of Madang. An incredible revival breaks out. And eventually that church grew to, I think, more than 2,000 members, didn't it, in a town of about 20,000? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was 10% of the, of the township. What an amazing story. Thank you so much for being our guest today on 2020, and we will be ringing you and calling you and having another interview in the very near future. Okay. Uh, God bless you, Andrew. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.